Good morning. Before we begin the study of God's Word, I want to uh, express my sincerest gratitude to the elders of this church and Pastor Eric for the wonderful privilege it is to uh, preach God's Word this morning. And I am uh, so grateful to, to the work that all of you have been doing uh, and am appreciative of this opportunity. Secondly, I want to take this opportunity to let you all know that during the next several weeks, as Eric shared, we are in the middle of a series, or beginning a series today, on the good news of Christmas. Beginning today, I will be uh, beginning the narrative of the birth of our Lord, Jesus Christ. And for the next several weeks, uh, my brothers Brenton and Robert will continue a series, uh, this series, in sharing the narrative. The wonderful privilege or, or, or opportunity that, that we have in uh, re- reflecting on the birth of, our, of the Son, Jesus Christ, is that it presents to us a wonderful opportunity to present the gospel. And so I ask that many of you uh, would pray during this week and the weeks to follow who the Lord may place in your life to invite to these services during this month uh, so that they may be able to hear God's word and the gospel, the good news. Let's bow in a word of prayer before we begin the study of God's Word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this wonderful opportunity to be in front of your people and preach your Word. I pray, Lord, that you would grant me the words and the clarity of speech, the clarity of mind to be able to present your Word, Lord. May your Word be heard May it be taken by your people and acted out into their lives. Pray that you will prepare your people for the receiving of your word. May you continue to be faithful to me and to us in the proclamation of your word. Pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Music has a strange influence in our lives. A recent New York Times article published in March entitled In One Ear and Out the Other, one author observes, you may forget your spouse's birthday, but you will go to your deathbed remembering every word to the Gilligan's Island theme song. (laughs) Such is the power of music. It is strange that if you add a little music to something, it will stick to your brain. While its power over our memory is fascinating and telling, it is its power over our whole selves that is most interesting. Martin Luther, the German theologian, said, Music is the art of the prophets. It calms the the agitation of the soul, and it is one of the most magnificent and delightful presence God has given us. Music, or song as I would like to refer to it, is rather important to the human life. There are songs which we associate with the important moments in our lives. For instance, the song that was sung to us in our infancy that still carries with it the sweetness of childhood. Or the song that reminds us of the first time we knew what love meant, or at least what we thought we knew what love meant. 
And of course there is that song that we sing that draws us to a place of worship with God. There is a certain power about a song. A certain strange connection between our lives and song. Songs have a way in which they penetrate our lives and build residence there. They connect and stay with our memory, tied with the important moments in our lives, like some sort of soundtrack to it. So close is the association between song and life that we often hear it said, Oh, that's my song. Now, I'm not here to talk to you today about your favorite songs or your playlists on your iPod. I'm here to talk to you today about the song of your life. I'm here to talk to you about the song that comes in your memory bank and identifies itself with you. The song that plays in your heart. Your anthem. Your song. What is your song? What is the song that plays during the important moments in your life? What is the song that plays when the answer from the doctors is more distressing than the pain you are currently experiencing? What is the song in your life when the money coming in is less than the money going out? What is your song? What is your song when the words exchanged between you and your spouse are cold and hurtful? Or when the loneliness has reached its peak in its bitterness? What is your song? What is the song of Good News Bible Church? What is the song that is heard outside of these walls throughout the rest of this week? The song that is heard during times of uncertainty and stress. What is our song? There is a song sung in the Gospel of Luke that I would like for us to hear. It is my prayer that we would hear, learn, and claim this song as our own. It is not a simple song, for it comes deep with truth and wisdom. It is not an easy song, for it comes with the burden of life upon its shoulders. It is a song sung by Mary, the mother of our Lord Jesus. Would you turn with me to this song in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. Read with me. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servants. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. 
He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich, He has sent away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. There are three parts I would like for you to know in our song. The first part of our song is this. Our song praises God because through the gift of His Son, He has looked upon us with mercy. Sing a song of praise to God because He has paid special attention to you. Look with me in verses 46 through 50 where, where Mary expresses her gratitude, her reverence, and her worship to God. And she gives her reasons why. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For He is mighty. He has done great things for me. His name is holy. He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. In order to understand Mary's song, we have to first understand Mary's situation. Clear away all settled images, all icons, and all illusions you may have in your minds about Mary. Instead, see her for who she really is, an unlikely heroine. You see, Mary is a poor young girl from Nazareth whose name is only a postscript to the fact that she is engaged to David, a descendant, I'm sorry, of Joseph, a descendant of King David. The text also reveals something else about Mary in this chapter, in, in chapter 1, in verse 27, where twice it says, For she was a virgin. Quite the introductory remarks. But Mary's virginity is very important to understand her story. You see, as the angel Gabriel imparts this, blessed, this, this startling message, Mary, you will be pregnant and your son will be great and he will rule over the throne of David. But in case you have misunderstood the description of Mary in verse 27, she responds and says, How can this be since I have never been sexually intimate with a man? Unless by miracle of God, Mary cannot conceive a child. And herein lies Mary's situation. She, a young girl, with nothing but a pledge to her betrothed, is pre will be pregnant. Let's place the promise of the awaited Messiah on the shelf for a moment. And think about, imagine the scandal the situation would have caused. Unfaithful adulterer? or faithful servant of God. All it would take would be a rumor, a whisper, stating that she was an unfaithful adulterer and her life could be over. Had she been found to be unfaithful, she would be guilty of a crime punishable by death. Yet, in spite of her complicated situation, Mary sings to the Lord, her Savior. Mary sings with all of her being, her spirit, and her soul. 
By referring to herself as his humble servant, Mary makes it clear that she has done nothing to deserve this great mercy. She was not holy. She did not live a perfect life. However, she was faithful and obedient. And God in his mercy blessed her. Who am I but your faithful servant, says Mary. And from that moment forward, all generations will look back at Mary and call her blessed because of the mercy God had on her. The good news for us this morning is that the same mercy that God has extended to Mary is available to us as well. Notice in verse 50, And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary points out that the same mercy is here for us. Even in her undeserving and unperfect state, God chose her to carry his son. And in the same way, in our imperfect and sinful state, God has chose to give us his son. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave us his son as propitiation for our sins. But God shows his love for us in this. Not that we love God, but that he loved us while we were yet sinners and Christ died for us. God has looked on us with mercy through the gift of his son. He has paid us special attention. This weekend, the Today Show pointed, profiled an Indianapolis Bible teacher by the name of Mr. Strop. Perhaps you saw this on Saturday, but Mr. Strop has been teaching 8th grade for 30 years. What is interesting about Mr. Strop is that he writes unique letters to each of his students on their birthdays. But the student list is not just the 20 or 30 students in his classroom that year. Instead, this list extends back to all of the students he has had for the 30 years of his teaching career. 2,500 students receive a handwritten letter on their birthday every year. One student had 11 years worth of letters. Another 30 years. One student by the name of Tony received his letter shortly after the death of his father and it was a great encouragement to him. Students are overwhelmed that Mr. Strop has paid special attention to them. Perhaps you have not reflected on it recently, but God has also paid special attention to you. It did not come in the form of a handwritten letter tucked into an envelope every year on your birthday came in the form of his son who, was, who suffered and was crucified on behalf of our sins. One of the students remarked that each of the, letter end, each of the letters ends with a Bible verse for encouragement marked and read. And in the same way, the red marks on our Savior are a sign of God's love and mercy towards us. Perhaps you are like Tony this morning. You are discouraged by the death of a friend or a relative, or perhaps by the loss of a dear friendship. 
It may not take away your pain or sorrow, but I want to encourage you this morning. God has paid special attention to you. He has looked on you with mercy, and He loves you and wants to bring you comfort. I'm sure that out of the 2,500 students on this list, there are some who pay little attention to this letter. Perhaps this letter comes and it is left unopened and ignored. The reality is, is that there are many of us this morning here who have taken God's gift for granted. And we, like those students, have left it unopened and ignored. And I want to ask you this morning to receive the gift, the special gift that, that God has given us. Do not leave it unopened and ignored. Instead, respond with fear to God's gift of His mercy. Otherwise, you will not be able to sing this song, this joyous song. Our song praises God because through the gift of His Son, He has looked upon us with mercy. The second part of our song I would like for you to learn is this. Our song, like Mary's song, praises God because through the gift of His Son, He will make things right. Sing a song of praise to God because through Jesus, God will make things new. Read with me, beginning in verse 51. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Mary presents two groups of people within this song. On the one hand are those categorized by their pride, their power, and their prestige. And on the other hand, are those who are categorized as humble by their humility. And what Mary does is that she shows what will happen to the one group because of what God's, what God's actions will be towards them. The first people that she describes are proud in the thoughts of their own hearts. These are the men and women who believe that in their own power and might. They are the men who pride themselves on what they can do for themselves. These are the self-sufficient. These are the ones who sing the song, I don't need God. I can do good all by myself. But to these people, God will scatter in all directions. The second group of people are the, the rulers who, who have the same heart issue. They prop themselves up as self-sufficient rulers over others. And to these people, God will tear down from their high places. And in their place, God will put the humble. These are the men and women who understand that it is God who grants every good thing. He is the one who provides for those who fear Him in mercy. God puts these people in high places and sends the proud, the powerful, and the rich away. 
Mary uses the picture of God as a mighty warrior and with, with the power to pull, down, to pull down those in opposition to him and promote those who fear him. But notice in your scriptures the verb tense that is used. He has scattered. He has brought down. He has filled the hungry. Is Mary referring to past acts of God? Not really. You see, this is what some commentators call a prophetic sense of the tense. You see, while God has done these things in the past, what Mary is declaring that it is so sure that God will make these things come to, to, to happen, come to fruition, that she can declare them as having already been done. You see, she can say God has scattered. God has pulled down. God has filled the hungry. Because when God decides to do something, it's as good as done. God has, because we know with certainty, God will make things right. While I was at Moody, I spent a couple of summers working with a decking company in Grand Rapids. When I began, our first job was to destroy and rebuild a decrepit deck. On my first day, I did not know anything about decking except that this was a bad one. I climbed the stairs with my boss and every step we took caused the entire deck to shake. At the risk of falling, I reached out to grasp the railing but thought better of it for fear that if I did, the whole thing would come crashing down. Soon we took sledgehammers and brought the old deck down. After three weeks, we built the most beautiful deck the, that I had ever seen. It was so beautiful, the, 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 uh, the, the, the posts were tall and sturdy, and the deck was big and spacious. Never seen such a thing. Today we look at our world and see it as I saw the deck. We see it decaying and falling into pieces. Despite what many people in the world want to believe, the systems that we have in place do not work when they are void of God. Today our world is turned upside down. The rich and the powerful get more rich and powerful, and the hungry get less and less. God is going to take our decrepit world and make it right again. God is going to take sledgehammers and bring down the proud in their own hearts, who are self-sufficient, who sing their own praises, singing, I don't need God. I can do good all by myself. And God will take those who are humble and sing his praises and elevate those to power and prestige. See, Mary says, he has exalted those of humble estate and has filled the hungry with good things. Our song praises God because through the gift of his son, he looked upon us with mercy and will turn this world right side up. The third part of our song I would like for you to learn is this. 
Our song, like Mary's song, praises God because through the gift of His Son, He keeps His word to His people. Sing a song of praise to God because God is a truth teller. Read with me, beginning in verse 54. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy. And he spoke to our, as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his descendants forever. You see, everything I have said and everything that Mary has sung would mean absolutely nothing if God weren't a truth teller. If God didn't keep his word, all of these words that I give to you would be pointless. But in case you have any doubt in your mind that God keeps his word, in case you have any doubt that God has looked on us with mercy and that he will turn this world right side up. Mary presents to us the example of his people Israel. Mary's son was the fulfillment of God's promise to his chosen people Israel. From the, from the very beginning in Genesis, God provided or promised a redeemer, a path of redemption for his people through Israel. From Genesis to Malachi, God makes this promise of a Messiah who will come and rule over the earth and grant peace between people and God. God spoke this promise to Abraham, and he spoke it to his son Isaac, and he spoke it to his son Jacob, and to all of his descendants, to the prophets. And here in the Gospel of Luke, we have this fulfillment of God's promise. We have God keeping his word to his people. If there is any doubt in your mind that God keeps his word, see the example of Israel, and the way in which God kept his word through the fulfillment of his son. Notice that it had nothing to do with Israel, for often Israel rebelled. Yet it was, as Mary says in verse 54, in remembrance of his mercy. When God makes a promise to his people, keeps his word. God is a truth teller. The problem so often is that we as his people don't know his word. We don't know that God is a truth teller because we don't know the truth. We don't know that God keeps his word because we don't know his word. The unfortunate reality is that we can often quote our favorite movies and our favorite songs much faster than we can quote scripture. The people of God must be a people of the word. We must love this word. We must love the scriptures that God has provided for us because it is our light, our source and path for fellowship with God because he has revealed his son here and we must know the word of God. If God is a truth teller, if God keeps his word, the people of God have to know God's word. Our song is a song of praise to God because through the gift of his son, he has looked upon us with mercy. He has... May, he will make things right, and he keeps his word to his people.
What is your song this morning? What is the song that can be heard on your lips? Is there a song that you can sing today? Mary's song in each of its three parts teaches us that our song is a song of praise to God no matter what station our life is on. Let me repeat this. Our song is a song of praise to God no matter what station our life is on. Perhaps before this morning you did not have a song to sing. Maybe the hardship in your life has robbed you of your voice to sing to God. And what reason did you see to sing? Some of you this morning have, been, have had so much difficulty that you can barely sing an audible word to God. You come Sunday after Sunday and hear the music, but you can't bring yourself to sing with the people of God. And you do not see God's hand in your life. You do not see God's mercy at work in you. You've seen it in other people's lives. You've seen it in those who are around you. You've seen the way God has worked in your friend's life when he or she needed to overcome that issue they were dealing with. You've seen it in your parents' life when they placed their faith in God. But the hardship in your life has kept you from seeing God's mercy in your life. I pray that you will understand that God has been constantly merciful in your life and you can sing a song of praise to God. If you are in the midst of hardship today, sing your song of praise to God, no matter what station your life is on. Your song does not have to be sweet and cheerful in melody, but it does remain the same song. The words never change. Perhaps it sounds a, a little embittered. Perhaps it sounds a little weak in the voice. But your song will not change because our song is a song that praises God no matter what station our life is on. Some of us here this morning are currently experiencing God's blessing in our life abundantly. We are enjoying the many things that God has given us. Our work is enjoyable. Our school is enriching. Our homes are orderly. But there is always a danger whenever we are experiencing God's blessing. And the danger is that we become like the proud in the thoughts of their hearts and we associate this blessing within ourselves. We say, oh, it's all due to our hard work. If God is blessing you this morning, if God has been blessing you this week, do not put it on your own doing. But sing a song of praise to God no matter what station your life is on. I told you that this was not a simple song. This was not an easy song to sing. Because as, I con as we continue to hear, learn, and claim this song as our own, we have to remember to teach others this song as well. 
We have to remember to pass it on to our children, to pass it on to our husbands, to our wives, to pass it on to our friends and our loved ones. Because many times will come when you can sing a song of praise to God, but those who are next to you may not be able to, or do not think they have the ability to. Come alongside your brothers and sisters and help them to learn and claim this song as our own. Pray together and encourage one another in this song. I do not mean, of course, that this singing will, will take out any hardship from your life. It will not stop any hurt or sadness to come into your life. Rather, even though we experience hardships and suffering, we remember that we sing a song of praise to God, no matter what station our life is on. Sing a song of praise to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your mercy endures forever and that you have the ability to give us good things. We thank you, Lord, that you have looked upon us with mercy, that you will make this world right, and that you keep your word. May we hold firm to this truth and continue to sing praises to you no matter what station our life is on. We give you praise and thanks. In your son's name. Amen.